0: Good morning, welcome to Element Church. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I hope all of you are having a great Memorial Weekend already. The weather has been perfect so far. Fingers crossed that like 100 mile an hour winds don't start blowing again. But so far so good. Um, so hopefully you're getting some time off work, some time to enjoy with family and friends. And so for those of you who are here today and still in town, we're so excited to see you. And for those uh, in our church, who are not here today, who will be watching this later this week. We miss you and can't wait to see you next week at Church in the Park. Well, we are almost done wrapping up our study through 2 Timothy uh, in this series that we've titled Legacy, as Paul is writing what we believe to be his final letter to this young pastor named Timothy. As Paul is sharing some of his last words of wisdom, um, most likely before he's executed in Rome, uh, under the authority and influence of Caesar Nero. And so as Paul knows that his life is coming to an end, and we'll actually uh, see some more of that um, in the final week of this series as we close it out. But um, Paul recognizes that his race has come to an end that he's coming up to the finish line of his life. And he's passing on some final words of wisdom and instruction to this young pastor, Timothy, um, helping him know how to carry the torch and continue on this ministry. And so we're gonna be in 2 Timothy chapter four. And so this is the last chapter and we're gonna wrap it up, not today, but soon. And so we'll be in the first five verses. So if you want to follow along, these are going to be on the screen, but um, you can also scan this QR code, open up the Bible app. Uh, If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, by scanning this QR code, it'll just open up your web browser. And not only can you follow along with the scripture this morning, um, but things that Mary just talked about, like Vacation Bible School, if you want to register your kids or share the link for registering kids to VBS with someone else, you can do that as well. And all of that is in the Bible app. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter four. And today we're only doing five verses. I know sometimes, in, especially through this series, we've taken a little bit bigger sections of scripture, but today we're just doing these first five. And so here's what Paul is gonna say to Timothy as he is starting to close out his letter. He says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And so in these five verses, Paul gives us a foundation, a command, an explanation, and then a reminder. Pretty simple. And we're going to look at those four sections as we break these five verses down into more manageable pieces. And so we'll revisit verse one, where Paul is gonna give Timothy the foundation. And this is not only the foundation for what he's about to command Timothy to do, but this is really serving as a foundation for a lot of the letter. And here's what he says. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. And so Paul roots his charge to Timothy. Timothy not only the command he's about to give him, but all of what he says in this letter, he roots in these four realities. God the Father, Christ Jesus, his Son, and then third, the coming and return, the coming, returning, and judgment by Jesus. And he says that Jesus is coming to judge the living and the dead. And what we see taught in the New Testament is that when Jesus comes and finishes what he started, that a part of this process is coming to judge. Come to judge those who are still alive when he returns and coming to judge those who have already died. And there are gonna be two kinds of judgment. For those who do not believe in Jesus, who have rejected Jesus, It will be a judgment about their eternal destination. And for those who have believed in Jesus, those who follow him with their lives, it's a different kind of judgment. It's an evaluation of works for recognition and for reward. But no one escapes this judgment. And in light of this, Paul writes his letter. In light of this reality, Paul gives his commands and his instructions to Timothy to recognize that Jesus is coming to finish what he started. That the work didn't end with the cross and the resurrection. That was the inauguration of something new. And Jesus is coming to finish it. And what Jesus inaugurated was a new kingdom. And we are living in that kingdom now. And one day, when Jesus returns, we will experience the fullest expression of what it means for God to rule and reign as king. Not just in our hearts, like he does now. Not just in our local community here, in which God rules and reigns as king in this church community. But one day we'll see what it's like when God rules and reigns over all the earth, when his kingdom comes to its fullest expression. So this is what Paul roots his charge to Timothy in. This is the foundation of what Paul's gonna tell Timothy next, but, but even for the whole letter this is Paul passing on the torch. This is Paul passing on the baton. He's saying, listen, Timothy, in light of all that we know and believe, rooted in who God is, what Jesus has begun and what we know he's coming to finish one day, and here's his next instructions, here's his command preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and complete with complete patience and teaching. So Timothy's given five direct commands here, but really the latter four are built upon this first one. Preach the word. If you've been with us during our study in our series in 2 Timothy, this has been a huge theme for Paul. That our lives are meant to be rooted in God's word. That everything we say and everything we do are to be rooted in the word of God. As we talked about last week, that for Paul, this word is what he would call these God-breathed scriptures. These sacred writings, as we looked at last week, That God breathed his truth into. And for Timothy, what he does next, as he carries on the torch of Paul to carry on that ministry and that leadership, above all else, Timothy is charged to preach the word, to make God's truth the central driving force of all that he does all the ways in which he leads and everything he says. And then he gives us some other commands or at least Timothy, some other commands. This idea of reproving and rebuking and exhorting and teaching that they all find in them their their root in preaching the word that the ways in which Timothy encourages and exhorts and challenges and corrects and teaches should all be rooted in this word. Now the word isn't the only way God speaks. The Bible isn't the only way that God speaks, but the Bible is the standard by which we measure all other teachings and claims of the voice of God. Because God can't contradict himself, God can't lie. And so anytime God speaks, it's gonna be in alignment with his word. And so it stands as the foundation for all that we do, all that we believe, all that we teach and preach, is his word. And then he tells Timothy to be ready in season and out of season. Now this phrase, it's actually kind of a play on words. Um, in Greek, which is what this was originally written in. It's eukairos and akairos. Um, sort of a play on words that really means whenever it's convenient and whenever it's inconvenient. Timothy, be prepared to teach God's truth. Be prepared, have your feet firmly planted on the foundation of God's word whenever it's convenient and whenever whenever it's inconvenient. Be prepared and take advantage of every opportunity. This is both a call to be defensive and offensive. To be prepared, to have all your things in order so that whenever the opportunity comes, you can take advantage of it. And then he closes this command, calling Timothy to patience and teaching. This is the only way it'll ever happen. Change takes time, transformation takes time. And so patience is necessary. But change also involves multiple aspects of a person. Transformation takes desire and motivation and opportunity. It takes affirmation and accountability and not least of which understanding, which is why teaching is a necessary part of it. As followers of Christ, we aren't called to a faith of ignorance. We're called to one of reason and logic and understanding. And so the only way that this is going to happen is for us to learn. And Paul recognizes that one of the big tasks Timothy has before him is to teach, is to help people understand, to have a firm grasp of what God's word is and what it says. Then we move on to the explanation. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so Paul describes three features that would develop as evidence of a restless craving for something different. Paul faced opposition to the teaching and spreading of the gospel. I mean, that's why he's in prison. That's why he's about to lose his life. And he anticipated the the opposition that those who share the gospel and carry on this ministry would face. He anticipated this opposition would grow. But what was gonna start to change is that rather than the opposition come from outside the church, Paul anticipated that the opposition was gonna, be coming, was gonna start becoming uh, coming from within. That the opposition that he anticipated Timothy facing would come from within. That people who claim to follow Christ and claim to believe in God's word would start to desire something else. And there's three things that they would start to desire. That they would find the content and the demands of the gospel unpalatable to them. The gospel, the good news, the good news of Jesus, of who he is and what he has done, of the work that he inaugurated and the one that he's coming to finish. It is good news, but it's also a harsh truth. Because to claim Jesus as a savior is to recognize and confess that we need to be saved, that we're lost, that we're broken, and that we're incapable of saving ourselves. Especially in the 21st century in the Western world, a world and a culture built upon individual freedom and rights and personal autonomy. The message of the gospel flies in the face of that. That actually, we can't do it on our own. We're not good enough. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps spiritually. But it's not just what is implied in the gospel. It's also what's demanded in the gospel. That the gospel demands that we surrender our lives. That if Jesus is the king of this kingdom, and if he's to be king in our lives, it means total surrender. It means dying to ourselves. It means like Jesus taught to take up our cross and follow him. It means to forsake everything else, an allegiance to everything and everyone else for Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's a hard message. When you cheapen the gospel and you make it just about an insurance policy, when you take the gospel and you turn it just into eternal insurance so that you can secure your future in eternity, it's not very offensive. But when you look at the gospel and you understand it for what it is, a call, Not to just new life after you die, but a call to die now. A call to die to yourself. It's offensive. And sometimes people grow tired of hearing it or reject what it requires. Number two, Paul warns Timothy that people will begin packing the pulpits of their churches with preachers Who would tell them only what they wanted to hear. Something that would make them feel good. Number three, that they would do it because they wanted only to satisfy the itching in their ears. People desire to be entertained and have their curiosities tickled. People, including you, and me, we don't wanna be told inconvenient truths and be forced to make a decision about what we'll do with it. It's much easier to find someone who would soothe our itch than someone who would satisfy our thirst. It would be really easy for us this morning to just talk about those people, right? And by those people, we just mean anyone who's not in here. They're the ones who do these kinds of things, but the reality is, this is a temptation to all of us, myself included. It's so much easier to find people, to find teachers, who will just confirm what we already believe or what we already want to be true. That's true spiritually. And it's also true in a lot of other areas. Isn't it a whole lot easier to just watch or read a news source that you know is already gonna present the story in the light that matches up with your political convictions? Isn't it so much more comforting to hear someone tell you that you're right? That your way of seeing the world is the correct and only way to see the world? We're all tempted. And this is why we need God's word. This is why it's imperative that Paul tell Timothy and us, that our lives must be rooted in God's word, not in our ideas. That everything we hear, everything we watch, everything we read should be compared to the litmus test of God's word, of what he has already said, and that includes every word that comes out of my mouth every Sunday. You shouldn't rely on me or anyone else on this stage to tell you what's true. Hopefully, we do a good job of explaining and teaching and clarifying, making it easier to understand and to, to wrestle with, helping you put the different pieces of the puzzle together. But at the end of the day, no teacher is going to be your ultimate source of truth, or shouldn't be. It's God's word. It's God's word. And we have to have it because all of us are tempted to find people who will just say what we want them to say. That could be spiritually speaking, politically speaking. What we need is something that we don't control. And that's God's word. We don't tell the Bible what to say. It says what we need to hear. And as we talked about last week, these God-breathed scriptures, they're living and they're active, as the writer of Hebrews said, so that when we read the Bible, it's really reading us. That it exposes those places in our hearts that have gone astray that we didn't even know about. Because all of us are tempted at times to find the message that satisfies that itch, that tells us we're right. And what we need is truth. And then here's how Paul will close out this part of his letter with a reminder. He says, as for you, Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So we only have one last section in the letter to Timothy. So the next time we teach on 2 Timothy, we're gonna close out the book at the end of the letter, Paul is really just giving Timothy a lot of personal points. He's saying, hey, will you say hello to this person? He actually asked Timothy, hey, would you come to see me? Would you bring my coat? Because it's cold. And oh, would you bring my, my scrolls and my, my parchments and stuff? I, I, really, I would really like those. So he's giving Timothy about a bunch of personal instructions. And he says a few things as he's just reflecting on the end of his life. Recognizing that these are probably the last words he'll ever write. And so, starting with verse six, it actually transitions into just some very personal correspondence. So, this is really the closing, not of the letter, but of Paul's encouragement and challenge to Timothy. Now, here's what I recognize can be a challenge we're, as we've stated before, we're reading someone else's mail, right? This is Paul's letter to Timothy. This was a letter written to Timothy. This, was, this wasn't written to us. It's written for us because it's God's word, but it wasn't written to us. It was written to Timothy. And I can recognize that sometimes it's hard to apply what Paul is saying to Timothy to our own lives. Now, if you're a young male pastor... It's pretty easy to apply what Paul says to Timothy because Timothy was a young male pastor. But maybe you don't classify yourself as young. I don't know where that line is drawn. You can draw it for yourself. So maybe or maybe not, do you classify yourself as young? I don't know everyone in here, but not that many in here are preachers. And... Roughly half of you are male and half of you are not. So how do you apply what Paul is saying to this young male pastor to you? I think this last little phrase is key. Fulfill your ministry. For Timothy, there's some very unique aspects of his ministry and one of the major points of it was the public proclamation of God's word. Timothy Wooden had a microphone and I'm sure he wasn't addicted to plaid like I am, but he would regularly get up in front of his church and teach the Bible. And that may not be your primary ministry, but you have a ministry. We did a whole series on, on that at the beginning of this year that every one of you who claims to be a follower of Christ is called to ministry. Ministry is not reserved for trained, educated, paid professionals. Ministry is for anyone and everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. Designated in the leader, designated leaders within the church, their do- job is just to help you discover and develop and deploy your ministry. So we've seen a lot of specific details about what Timothy's ministry was. And that may or may not directly apply to you. You may not be a skilled public communicator. The idea of speaking in front of people may terrify you to death. And maybe that's not what God has called you to do. He has certainly called you to... to base your life at the foundation of your life in God's word. That all that you do and say should be rooted in God's word. Whether or not you teach it publicly. But all of you have been given a ministry. And so as Paul is closing out this letter, as he's sharing his final words, his final thoughts, tells Timothy this, hey, in light of who God is, in light of who Jesus is and what he's done, in light of the fact that Jesus began something that he's coming one day to finish, in light of the fact that none of us will escape judgment, that when Jesus returns, He will take an account of what we have built our lives upon. Have we built our lives upon following and trusting and believing and confessing Jesus? And what have we done with that information? In light of all of this, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. I think it's exactly what Paul would say to you. Hey, in light of who God is, in light of what Jesus has done, In light of what he's coming to do one day, to finish what he started, in light of the fact that everything we do in our lives will be exposed one day when Jesus comes to expose it and to judge it, in light of all of that, fulfill your ministry. Don't waste your life, fulfill your ministry. I can't answer what your ministry is. But God has given all of you gifts. We usually call them spiritual gifts. But for those who follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and empower you. to be and do all that God created you to be and to do. Don't waste your life. Fulfill your ministry. Do what you were put on this earth to do. One day Jesus It's coming to finish what he started. The fullest expression of his kingdom will be seen and known and experienced. But in the meantime, he has given us the task of building that kingdom. Don't waste your life. Fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are and all that you have done. Thank you that you give our lives meaning and purpose. Thank you that we have a reason to live, a reason to exist. Lord, help us not to waste it. I want you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment, if you will. We're going to move into a response time—the um, response time that we we provide every week, just to respond to the ways in which God is moving and speaking in your heart. Our worship team is going to lead us. Some more songs, and it's an opportunity for you to express. Just your thankfulness and gratitude to God for who he is and what he has done. Sometimes it's hard for us to know what to say. Sometimes these songs serve as a great uh, substitute to help us put what we're feeling into words. But as you respond to who God is and what he's saying, if, if you want to stand and sing, we would invite you to do that. If you, if you just want to stay in your seat and pray, we, we invite you to do that. The communion table is in the back. If you'd like to make that a part of your worship response this morning. As Jesus established this symbol on the night before he was crucified, when he took some bread and he told his followers that this bread which was broken before them represented his body, which was going to be broken for them, that this cup represented the blood that he would shed for them. And for 2000 years, Christians have been remembering that moment, the heart of the gospel by taking the bread and taking the cup to remember and to say thank you and to worship. But regardless of how you respond, right now, I just, I want you to do some internal reflection. Everybody at the end of their life, when they have the opportunity to know it's coming, reflects on what matters most. And I think that's what Paul's doing in this letter. He's an older man who's come to the end of his life, He just wants to see Timothy live a life that matters, to not waste his life, to fulfill the unique ministry God gave him. I think that's Paul's heart for you. As Paul looks back on his own life, as he realizes that time is short, he he would express to you, fulfill your ministry, don't waste your life. And as we respond this morning, I want that question to be on your heart. What is your ministry? And are you doing all that you can to not waste your life and allow God to speak to you? Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Would you both comfort us and challenge us in this moment?